1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to
2: BXB, the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN, along with Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. We're officially into full offseason mode with the World Series over, Keith. Uh, And the Yankees kind of started the ball rolling for us with the press conferences last Friday. Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, I was there, took in some of the answers. I know you um, listened and watched as well. So uh, let's start with your thoughts, first of all. I've got some thoughts and ideas, Keith. but I have a feeling that there are a lot of unsatisfactory uh, answers based off of what came out last Friday.
3: Yeah. I mean (laughs) – uh, you did a great job of asking questions. First and foremost, you always do. And I and I saw a lot of people online uh, giving you props for the lines of questions that you dropped on them. And uh, even CMAC, mac uh, our guy at WFAN, his show went on and he was I, he called out one question that that you asked. And I'll get to that in a minute because okay. it's just in the line of things. But uh, I listened to Aaron Boone on the Michael K show Thursday. So that was, I I listened to that whole thing. And that was, you know, a uh, precursor to what they were going to do Friday. Mm -hmm. And a a lot of the same things that you heard there, you did hear. But then you get Cashman, whose uh, contract was up October 31st. And he's still
2: working. There you go. How many? How, how many of us would keep working when our contract is up? Right? No,
3: no one really. It's like you—you you can't even get in the building once your contract expires. Yeah. Um, like, I'm
2: sorry. I'm not going to get paid this week. Okay. We'll. Right. well let's, talk, let's talk later.
3: Payroll's yeah. like, hey, uh, we don't have you for this week. But of course, <laughs> I, I've said this since I got on WFAN. I said that's Brian Cashman's job until he doesn't want it.
2: <laughs> it seems to be the case right now. Yeah, and it seems like he wants it. And like I, I've told you this plenty of times, uh, there are no outward signs of any any um, any friction between Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman, between Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, and it's not just. I think we have a tendency to think that this one person, this job, overseas and rules all. And it's it, the way it was explained to me just very recently too was this is a very big group that works together and whether it's all the assistant GMs, the coaches, everything like that, it's not remove one and someone else comes in new, like they all like working together and feel as if it's one cohesive unit. So it's hard to think of it as being broken up
3: right now. Absolutely. And Brian Cashman is at the top. He's leading that group and he's been here for years. He's 55 years old. He's not looking to retire anytime soon. And I don't think he's looking to, Work for another baseball team. Like you you hear people say, Oh, well, if Brian Cashman doesn't come back, he'll have 20 other teams lining up for his services. He's not trying to go anywhere else. Like sure. uh, he, he said, he said, uh, you know, how would like me back and I'd like to stay. So that's
2: it. Yeah. So that's gonna that's gonna work itself out.
3: Yeah. So for all the fans that were talking about his contract being up, uh, all the fans talking about him not being the guy to lead this team into the future. Well, sorry, folks, like it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, So
2: were there certain questions or answers that kind of stuck out to you that you wanted to to jump to the forefront today?
3: Sure. So you asked a question to Aaron Boone about IKF and uh, I forget exactly. And I know you know how you worded it, but you you used IKF's words speaking about himself. And Boone was just so quick to defend IKF because that's what they've been doing all season. Uh, That's what they're prepared to do. Right. You could tell how prepared they were. Um, and I think you said something along the lines of like, wait, those were his words. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, that's yeah, like, he,
2: he came out and said that this is the worst defense I've ever played. And it was in July, August. He said that to the coaches. I uh, said that to Travis Chapman, the infield coach, and they, they worked on some things to do extra work. And he told me that story. I think the first week in August, early in August, he told me that story shortly after the trade deadline. Um, so it was, you know, it, it wasn't lost on Isaiah counter-falefa that he had struggled defensively. But my question was along the lines of, you know, they eventually came to the idea of using Oswald Peraza in the playoffs, but, you know, in July and August, he was deemed by the organization as not being ready to do that or that wasn't the right move for them to do. It eventually became the right move for them to do. So I was just kind of wondering, like, did Peraza do something differently to elevate himself? Was there something he wasn't doing in July and August that wasn't, that was considered not good enough for the big league level? Uh, and there, there are different lists. I'll I'll give you my thoughts on that, but go ahead. That's the question that you wanted to talk about.
3: That was one of them. And um, along the lines of that, I feel like the Yankees will never admit that they gave in to outside pressure, that they did hear the outside noise, Mm -hmm. um, because they were hard pressed in their IKF being the shortstop, being the stopgap, right? And fans were screaming every time they saw Oswald Peraza hit a home run or make a web gem. Call him up. Bring this kid up. They, fans were doing that in June, July, August, and uh, they didn't call him up until the team needed a spark. Right. Well,
2: now what they well, they call him up in September. He was he was a September call up. It was really nothing to do with being a spark. Yeah.
3: So actually, um, Oswaldo Cabrera was came a up spark. first.
2: Yeah, because and that Peraza was, was just a September well. call up. Yeah. yeah. Cabrera came up because, you know, I think the Benintendi injury is what caused Cabrera to come up and move into different spots. Uh, I could be wrong in the timeline there, but, um, you know, I, I think when it came down to Peraza, and then I was getting this, I was getting mixed signals from people outside the organization who are watching Peraza said, look, he's, he can play shortstop in the big leagues. Uh, he'll figure out how to hit. And for the Yankees, I think there was some trepidation because, you had about a two month window here, and if he struggled at all, um, it would have been hard to pick him back up off of that because there were inconsistencies in his game that they were um, trying to to fill out throughout the final part of the Triple A season. Well, you know, using Jeremy Pena as an example, you know, he looks great right now, right? MVP, of the ALCS, and the World Series. You think, well, this could have been your Oswald Peraza. Pena struggled mightily in July and August of this year. He had a big slump in July and August. And that's something that he had to overcome, that he had the luxury of doing it because he had a full season. If you have about 50 games and say, here's a shortstop, and he struggles for the first 10 or 15, you don't have a lot of rope to to keep kind of getting him through that. And I think that's at least part of a concern. I'm not saying that's the right answer to not do it. But I think part of a concern is that you were dealing with less – of a timeline there for a kid who had not played in the big leagues and still had in their minds, some inconsistencies to his
3: game. Jeremy Pena. I know, I know there's a lot of Yankee fans drawing parallels between him being a rookie, but always got to add that he's 25 years old. He went to college. Yeah. Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. not, you know, he's not your average rookie. Um, When you think about judge coming up, judge was, you know, more like, uh, a Jeremy Pena judge was 25, 26 coming yeah, up we and uh, <laughs> went to Fresno state and had that time. So I don't know. I, I think that, uh, you know, moving on from the IKF stuff, I think that they, they have to build up IKF. I think them even leaving the door open and saying there'll be a competition, like going into the off season, anything can happen. They're going to check on everything. Maybe they're able to deal IKF. Maybe they love IKF and want to keep them. Maybe they let, Peraza battle for the spot maybe Volpe get some reps in there I don't know moving on from IKF though is Josh Donaldson they're married to him I don't think anybody else wants him Uh, at that price tag that's something they signed up for and he's got another year on that deal so I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Donaldson playing third base and I expect the Yankees to um, really be on him this offseason be working with him this offseason uh, they kind of alluded to the fact that he came in late because of the lockout. Um, well, they,
2: they, they um, yeah, well, a little bit to them because they made the trade for him after the lockout ended, which means right. it was the spring training already started, right? So, and the shortened spring training already started. I, I listen, I, I think there are a lot of things with Donaldson that he, listen, this was not, first of all, this wasn't the player he was last year. Okay. He was a good player last year. He was not a good player this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. He never quite caught on. Did age all of a sudden catch up? Did he go from 35 to 36 and all of a sudden everything slowed down? There are signs that that was the case. I frankly, despite the price tag, Keith, I frankly would be surprised if he is the third baseman starting next year. Um, I think that that's a big dollar number for them to swallow. But I think if they're interested in moving forward here, that's probably something that they have to consider as far as how they positively framed Donaldson or Isaiah Conifaletha. You know, this shouldn't come as a surprise. And I know it, it, it sets off everybody on socials and or on talk shows or whatever, but. They're not in the business of publicly ripping players. Right. They just aren't. Even when, guys, even when guys don't hustle or something like it, they'll frame it differently. But the old days of just having a manager fly off and say something that ends up as their job is to um, insulate the team from distractions, to not cause distractions. Right. So having a manager publicly rip a player is going to feed that that's what they're trying to avoid that doesn't mean they don't do it in private but the message they're giving up publicly is always going to toe that line keith and as maddening as that might be just i think it's important for us to remember that doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're saying behind closed doors
3: so you know what they say and what they end up doing are two separate things and here we are in this winter in this off season and if you ask me as a fan last year they looked at where they needed to get better right Mm -hmm. catcher for sure So they were dead set on finding a trade partner for Gary Sanchez. Who knows who they spoke with, but where they ended up and what they landed on was Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela for IKF Donaldson and Ben Rortvet. Now going into this offseason, third base and uh, shortstop are two spots that you need to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Josh Donaldson defensively is up there, but at the plate, he was hard to watch at yeah. the, at the plate. He did not give you what you signed up for. You thought he was going to have He's more pop
2: down. All his numbers across the board were the worst of his career. And if you look at things like exit below, like he, he, he looked, he looked strikeout percentage, walk percentage, all those things didn't work in his favor. It looked like it, it was the worst year of his career. And it looked like he had just gotten older.
3: 36-year-old Josh Donaldson going on 37, going into next year. I remember having shows on WFAN um, the week that that trade went down, and I said, what version of Josh Donaldson do they think they're getting? Do they think they're getting 2016 Josh Donaldson or even 2021 Josh Donaldson? 2021
2: I said, Josh Donaldson would have been fine, Keith. Would have. Would have,
3: And that that had to be what they were thinking when they made the deal for that much mm-hmm. money, to take that much money on. But you yeah. ended up getting the 36-year-old version of Josh Donaldson who just didn't have it when you needed it, and yeah. you batted him cleanup, you batted him fifth, you put him in the middle of the order a well, bunch of times. That was
2: also a product of injuries of the injuries that happened, and everybody hates this, okay, Keith. But listen, there are reasons and there are excuses, okay. let's injuries are reasons, okay. When you're not putting your best team on the floor, I thought of this last night. You might be too young for this. Have you saw seen the movie Hoosiers? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm aware
3: of it. I mean, I know it's Indiana Hoosiers basketball. Yeah, I'm
2: and- going to lose a lot of people with, with this. But, <laughs> um, you know, the coach is going to get fired in the middle of the season because it's, you know, the whole town thinks his team stinks. Well, part of the reason his team stinks is because the best player isn't playing. OK, when the best player comes back into play, all of a sudden his team is a state championship contender. Your best players have to play. And as a general manager in this league told me one time, there is no contingency plan for your best players. And I'm sorry if you think losing DJ LeMayhew and Andrew Benintendi to injuries are excuses, but it is a reason. And it is a legitimate reason when you're putting subpar play it's if those two players were healthy, they would not be sitting on the bench. Your best lineup would not be with those two guys on the bench. It would be with them in the lineup. So when you are putting a, an inferior lineup on there, I'm sorry, it's not going to be as good.
3: Yeah. And missing DJ hurt missing Ben Benintendi. Definitely hurt. You traded for the guy. You got one month out of him in the regular season. DJ is a guy that you paid six years, 90 million and he's missed the last two Octobers. He's missed the last two yeah, post-season. That's hard. That's a Hard investment. that sucks as a fan. It sucks. But there are fans that are going to say that's on Brian Cashman for how he built out this roster and who he has on this team. Okay.
2: But, like, but okay. You're right. But let's be fair. He built the roster with those two good players in mind. And when they get hurt, you don't have equivalence to those two players. No, there's there's
3: no there's no contingency plan, but that's not good enough for a Yankees fan who's like, hey, we're rolling uh, with this team into the postseason. Right. This is a team that in the beginning of the year they were comparing to 1998. They were on pace to win X amount of games. Like how come you didn't have contingency plans? It's tough, though. It's, it's, it's just the way bad. that it shakes out. It's not. Yeah. It's you not what anybody could have predicted.
2: Level players ready to replace all-star level players, right? That just doesn't happen. I mean, that's why you end up with Oswaldo Cabrera, who goes through some of some downs, look pretty good. Had a you know a pretty got to play Aaron
3: Hicks. You yeah. got to move pieces yeah. right. around, and you're making it up on the fly in the high-pressure pressure situation. Situation.
2: Josh Donaldson. Right. Like yeah. you, you've got You don't have enough pieces to take out all the bad ones. You kind of got to have to move along with them. It's not an easy thing to do. But that was not the the problem is it was not the same team that
3: started the season. It was not the same roster. The curse of Joey Gallo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what else from the press conference? So um, the 2004 stuff with the Red Sox. I thought that was interesting. And Cashman's response, I know he he was so prepared for that, uh, you know, to tell people, like, you know, you need to look inward or something he said about, like, if if you have a problem with that, like, of course, we all have a problem with that. But, like, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't as big of a thing. It It was a bigger thing to the fans. Of course. Yes. The players, I don't think that really affected I them. I don't think they went out there with, you know, clips running through their brain of the Yankees losing four straight. Uh, what else came out of that? I know I have some notes on that. I just, I just didn't really care for the whole thing, right? I, I watched the first fifteen minutes, and it was so boring. I'm like, this is, this is so boring. Like, well,
2: but here's, Keith, you're not going. Here's the other thing about it. Like, I understand. One, you're not going to get any satisfactory answers because the team lost, and you're like, no answers are going to satisfy you. You're not going to get firings right there. Okay, we've we've already gone through that and explained that. Um, And they're not ready to divulge to you the full plan for next season because that hasn't materialized that you don't know. You have to let the offseason play out to see who you can sign, who you can trade, all that other stuff. That stuff cannot be laid out for you on November 3rd or 4th or whatever the day was. You just there are no satisfactory answers. And really, this became, it's, it's something more of an informational press conference to gather information and kind of frame the the next couple of weeks worth of stories as we get going. But instead, it's turned into, here's the TV show. Please explain to us why you lost. And I'm going to throw something <laughs> at the TV every time you give me an answer because none of it's going to be any good. That's really not a great bar to set.
3: Yeah, no, nothing is, is going to be good enough in, um you know, this postseason day off from the World Series speak for yourselves press conference. And, uh, you know, I don't know, the things that I got out of it other than that uh, they talked about the three true outcomes with Cashman and they said that the Yankees lead the league. And I don't know who asked that. Um, I can't remember, but I have a note about like how Cashman responded to like, like what's the three true outcome rate.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs)
3: <laughs> like, yeah. is that a metric that like baseball is using now what teams right. lead in the three true outcomes we all know the three true outcomes we didn't know that there was a stat for like who had the highest rate
2: yeah yeah and listen i i think and the other thing i think about this is like it becomes really until they make moves it always becomes this they're gonna run it back they're gonna run it back right and it's this just becomes a thing and it's really not a thing it's just that, you know, you and I are speaking on November 7th, okay? Yeah, the team is the exact same on November 7th as it was because you you haven't made any moves yet and nothing starts yet. You know, it is a long off-season. And this is not NFL free agency where it lasts a week or NBA free agency where it lasts a week and you've got to pounce on guys. This is a much longer off-season plan. And they're not going to divulge to you, we're going to sign this guy, that guy, that guy. So it does give the impression that, you are using the same thing, but use your brains and look at every other off season. They don't simply run it back. OK, a lot of the pieces are there. Sure, that's the, you, you don't just destroy the whole team, but there are incremental upgrades they try to make every year and we'll judge them as they come up. But to sit here and think that they are not going to make any changes and that they're just going to run it back. Well, it's it's just kind of a silly thought because that's never the case.
3: And I think they expressed how close they do feel close isn't good enough for the fan base, but they were one of the last four teams standing, uh, again, a, a season where they could have won a hundred games. They were a game away from uh, being another hundred win team and they won the division. They don't win a division every year. Um, they, they did win a division. So I think they feel like they're close. When I listened to Boone talk to Michael K, he emphatically said, no, 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 when uh, Kay asked if they have have to blow this thing up, if they have to rebuild the team. No, and I don't think that they need to rebuild the team, but we all know what this offseason is waiting for. Is Judge going to be a Yankee or is Judge not going to be a Yankee? And then what happens after that, whether he stays or whether he goes? And the last thing that came out of the press conference that kind of had me scratching my head, trust the process. Cashman talking about, you know, not firing guys or not, uh, moving on from guys because of the results, but like believing in guys that have a good process, I guess, you know, they show up to the mm-hmm. ballpark, mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the meetings, they're doing the right things. And I know Josh Donaldson is one of those guys. We always hear that he's taking extra swings. He's doing extra things. IKF, we know he's out there, you know, when he got demoted in, in the uh, postseason, he's out there taking extra ground balls. We know that their process is there. We would hope that their process is there. They're pro ball players. part of being a pro ball player you you need a, a certain level of process to do what you do. but at the end of the day, this is a results driven business. Everything is based off results in every other profession well, you don't get to say, hey well, I showed up to work on time uh, I you know I did XYZ, but we didn't improve. there was no progress. we didn't hit our markers yeah. or our goals.
2: But that wasn't about the players. Okay. And that's the question that I asked. It was more about the front office and how they do things and the coaching staff, things like that. Because there are turnovers at times with the coaching staff, with the medical staff, training staff, everything. But you know, inside the front office, like how are they measured? And so that's what was his response about process. Although I guess the, the follow-up that I, I didn't get to was the idea that, okay, you know, you here's the thing: like bad results can come from bad processes. And if that's all lined up, then, then yeah, then you, then there are changes made, but he gave an example of Nick Swisher who the Yankees traded for in 2008 off of a very bad season in Chicago. Underlying numbers told you that he was not this bad, that he was the exact same player. He was the year before there were certain things with bad luck and certain things, you know, he, if he maintained his process, he would bounce back off of that year. And, and, I think that's part of the things of player evaluation. Um, but I I think overall, there's, I think we're all just trying to peek behind the curtain and they're not in the business of pulling the curtain back. And it's really hard to sit here and judge how they do it and what they do and how successful they are at that part of it, when all we can judge it on is the wins and losses on the field. Now, mind you, you talked about Keith being close, okay? Close is a thing, okay, because they are closer to the World Series than they are a non-playoff team, and that's important because I think there are too many people who just want everybody gone because you didn't win the World Series, and that is uh, an antiquated way of looking at it, and it is really not a very smart way of looking at it. Um, There are instances when you can make changes to even a successful team, but to simply say, they lost, get rid of everybody. And I understand that it's been a little bit of a drought here. Um, and in Yankee land, that's a huge drought. Um, and I'm not against them making changes, but I'm trying to explain like why they don't, because I think it is I think it really is a disservice to treat them as a last place team as opposed to a team that hasn't won the World Series yet.
3: What what it is, and I get this from being in circles where fans are talking about it, I think a lot of fans, especially my age range, millennial fans, fans that are in their 30s now, they've been expecting a World Series, right? And the Yankees are actually in a World Series drought, one of their longer World Series droughts. And when you become a Yankees fan as a kid and they're winning and they're preaching World Series for all of this time since they won one, That becomes the expectation. That becomes the standard. That is where they set the bar. And so fans are still hungry for this explanation about, you know, why haven't they got to the World Series? Why aren't they owning up to the things that we see? And they don't see it that way. There's also another level of fans that just see the business side. Of ticket sales and attendance yeah. and merch and that's a, um, listen, that's
2: a real thing, okay? I'm sorry, you're not rooting for a sandlot team, you're not rooting for a you know, a youth league team. This is a major business, and yeah. this is how everybody operates. Yeah, that's what and, you're rooting for. All I'll tell you, like they don't I, I I guarantee you talk to enough of these people, they're not happy that they lost, okay. God, but sweat. The <laughs> idea isn't that. You know, every law, lo- every time, every loss means great. Ch- I used the college exe- uh, basketball example last year. Okay, you know, Duke expects to go to the Final Four every year, win a national championship every year. They don't. They don't change their coach every year, right? Right. Um, it- and so that I think that's part of it too. I-, I think that what it comes down to, Keith, is that the Yankees absolutely don't accept the result of not winning a World Series. They will look at it as a quote unquote failure because that is their goal. But how they treat it moving forward, now the fans want it to be treated moving forward by making all these crazy changes. That's where the two sides, you know, diverge. They are not going to agree that massive changes. Now, the roster might have some significant changes because it did last year by the time they were all said and done. Talked about shortstop, catcher, all that stuff. Um, But the idea of... Everybody has to be fired when you don't win. Is where these two paths diverge.
3: And I understand that the Yankees are a winning organization. They win regular season games. They get to the postseason. There are teams that don't, so they have to react like that. The Yankees are never going to react like that. And uh, I just look at it as, hey, they view the World Series as their goal and standard, but they also view it as hard to do. Like you know, a and shoot. everybody
2: does too. Like the Astros are not going to tell you that it was easy. Okay. No, but I'm glad game, you brought so up the Astros. I can tell you it was easy.
3: The Astros win this World Series, and their goal since 2019, when everyone found out about 2017 scandal, their goal has been win the World Series, so no one can say anything about that. That is how we cure this cheater stuff. That yeah. is how we change our perception. That is how we stop these fans that want to, you know, troll us and boo us and everything else. Win the World Series, beat everyone. And then we have two rings and one that they can't look at as as uh, an asterisk or a, a fake World Series at all. Now, for the Yankees, you clearly know who's standing in your way. If I'm the New York Yankees, I'm studying the Houston Astros. I'm getting as much intel on them as possible because, you know, that's the team standing in your way. You're going to meet them again, most likely. Right. You haven't been able to beat them in Three trips to the ALCS, 17, 19, and now 22. So if you plan on getting to the World Series, it's clear. You need to have the formula for knocking them off. And I don't think anyone really has. They swept the Mariners. They swept the Yankees. And, yeah, the the Phillies were able to steal a game in 10 innings in in Houston. And then Lance McCullers was tipping his pitches, and they had a home run derby off of him. Other than that, Like you, They they dominated the whole postseason. They dominated the whole regular season. They stayed relatively healthy. They pitched better than everyone else. And they've got guys that can hit, multiple guys that can hit. Half of their roster was homegrown. 14 out of 27 guys were homegrown guys. They, you know, I hate it, but they drafted well, they developed well, and they just keep it coming. They are able to move on from Carlos Correa and not pay him all that money because they have a Jeremy Pena waiting in the wings. Then they can put, sp- they can spread that money out, put it elsewhere, pay Jordan Alvarez, lock up these arms they have. Like Christian Javier is making seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Their their investment, in young pitchers, is really what's taken because you know, look at, let's look at the World Series. Okay, first of all. Dusty Baker, if you listen to any of his press conferences, and I went through every single one of them, he keeps giving you hints that he is not this folksy, old-school manager manages by the seat of his pants. He is part of a large, analytically-driven system, and his decisions, um, in the end, are part of that. Um, He's not just a, this is what I did because I went with my gut kind of guy, okay? He removed a pitcher from a no-hitter, okay? Which is not, which flies against everything that you know from old school, th- this and that. It's that wasn't what it was about. Your best chance to win the game was to bring in fresher arms at that point during a no hitter. He ran an organization that was analytically driven. That's one point. Two, Keith, look at how they you know, look at how the Phillies lost this World Series. Okay. They struck out a ton. So was it the batters or was it the Astros pitchers, the same Astros pitchers that kept striking out the Yankees batters? The Phillies' only success was with the home run ball in, you know, um, outside the rally they had against Furlander, right? Which is kind of one in a million. That rally against that kind of pitcher had never happened in the history of the World Series. So a little bit of luck happening there. These are the kinds of things that were needed to just win a couple of games against the Astros. As you mentioned, they, you know, their pitching was. They didn't give up any runs to Seattle. They didn't give up anything to the Yankees. And then, you know, in the games they won, they they didn't really give up anything to the Phillies either. The Phillies had one of the worst offensive showings in World Series history. This has a lot to do with Houston Astros pitching more than anybody's offensive approach, I would say, after you saw what happened in three consecutive series.
3: I said, they pitch better than everyone else. They are baseball now. People are debating whether they're a dynasty or not. You're a dynasty. I don't care if you you lost those world series. They lost a couple world series in the six years that they made it Mm -hmm. to the ALCS, but like they were there, they were in the championship. So like losing to the Braves and the nationals to me, I don't, I don't look at, I look at that. I don't think that detracts from your dynasty that you lost the world series. They got there and they got there with pitching um, clutch hitting, you know, there's a, there's another conversation around the Astros about them tanking and obviously tanking helped them get here. Though,
2: right? yeah.
3: They are baseball now. Whether whether you like them or hate them, which I hate them, I I I congratulate them yesterday cuz I, I woke up or 2 days ago. No, they won Saturday night, so it was Sunday morning. I'm like they're all over everything and baseball and I didn't I didn't listen to the game with sound on. I was out, but I watched and uh someone tweeted that, you know, Major League Baseball, whoever was calling the game. It's like there's a um Initiative by Major League Baseball to get fans to move on from 2017. Forget about the cheating scandal and the camera in center field and the trash cans. Yeah. That's in the past. I don't that think doesn't it's matter. I
2: think it's just part of the storyline because that's all anybody like the reason everybody, every baseball fan who doesn't like the Astros, doesn't like the Astros, like the Astros is because of the cheating. And the tanking.
3: So it's like if you look at these guys over the last decade plus. They tanked to get some of the best players, some of their core players that they won with, that they also cheated with. You have the trash can scandal, but then there's also the rumor of the buzzer scandal. They didn't really research that. And then this is the last thing I'll say on it so we can move on. This team is able to succeed again because they weren't properly punished, right? They lost draft picks. No players were suspended. Um, They, they, they had uh, a $5 million fine, right? So when I say they are baseball now, the last 10 years of baseball is a story on how the Astros lost 103 games. They tanked, they got top picks to build their core. They made the right moves to bring in guys like a Justin Verlander or even a Garrett Cole when they had him. Uh, But then they also didn't have to pay George Springer or Carlos Correa. They had the talent waiting in the wings and they are able to get back to winning a World Series uh, two years after we found out that they cheated five years ago. This is a a story about how modern-day Major League Baseball is. And when I look at the Astros, I I don't know who's going to knock them off, but I hope it is the Yankees. I hope the story keeps going and the Yankees figure out how to match up with them, how to go toe-to-toe, because they look like they're going to keep winning for a while. Yeah, like, well, this isn't over. Like This uh, could be yeah. for the next decade.
2: Everything And their pitching is lined up that way. But I'd, I'd say the only thing I push back on against calling it a dynasty, Keith, is that my personal belief is that you have to win back-to-back championships at some point to be considered a real dynasty. The Giants, from a decade ago, never defended successfully defended their World Series championship. They won in 10, 12, and 14, right? right. They didn't win back-to-backs. If I think of dynasties, I'm thinking Green Bay Packers, you know Celtics, Lakers, all those things. Steelers, back to backs are part of it, okay, and all the Yankees. So uh, the Reds, the
3: A's uh, from from the '70s, just doesn't happen anymore. I well, love I love the parody call, of baseball. Well, that's it's... why I
2: can't call it a dynasty, okay, until you win back
3: to backs. They are a the closest team. thing we'll They're see. A they're a dominant the team. The closest thing to a dynasty. Yeah. Well, that's yeah.
2: Listen, and you're allowed to – you want to call them that, you can. My own yeah, definition I I My am. own definition is you have to win back-to-backs at some point. But they're incredibly dominant. They're the team that – They going might win back-to-back, back-to-back, back-to-back coming up. Like, like I mean, just, right?
3: if, if the Yankees don't knock them off in the American League, we expect the Mariners to grow into a team that's going to be able to knock them off. No, we expect the Guardians or – Someone coming out of the Central? No. Maybe it. No, I just, I look at the Astros. Rangers,
2: Rangers
3: Tigers, anybody? No, not no. yet. Listen, everything's
2: going to go through the Astros, okay? Mm-hmm. It's going to happen again next year, too. But I, you know, kind of, if we go back a week when the Phillies were still, you know, just the National League champions and pushing the Astros a little bit, you know, you think back to, Some of the people that we know from what you call, you know, Yankees South, Rob Thompson, Kevin Long, a big part of this. Okay. Thompson pushed all the right buttons in getting the Phillies to the World Series, right? Between the Cardinals series and the Braves series and the Padres. And then all of a sudden he's getting roasted for taking Zach Wheeler out um, Mm -hmm. for the matchup against Jordan Alvarez. When that's what moves like that actually got him there. In the first, got him to game six of the World Series. So, in that instance, the move didn't work. And it comes back to this idea. And part of what I asked Aaron Boone about, like, you know, about processes too, like, this is about outcomes, okay? Not the moves.
0: Right. Nobody
2: questioned the moves a week ago when they were getting him to the World Series, but the outcome is different in game six. All of a sudden, it's like, why are you doing that? I guess that's just how we're conditioned to look at it as fans because we don't have to deal with the hypotheticals of what we would have done. It's just what happened and how are we dealing with it? So like, to me, I guess my point, Eric, bringing it back to this, is this is no different than any, the, any Yankees moves or any other moves. He made a move that eventually didn't work. And now that's something they have to live with.
3: He knows his guy, right? And he's supposed to know his guy better than anyone else. Any fans and, and fans know they knew Zach Wheeler historically just, you know, that that was the move like it didn't work out like you said but zach wheeler getting up there um in pitches and that part of the game i forget exactly where it was but i know i remember seeing yeah, fans. Pitches,
2: five and a third innings
3: yeah Phillies fans were saying yeah well you know zach wheeler's got a tendency to give it up when he gets to this point or that point and you know rob is managing with the game on the line and using what he knows about his guy and not thinking like this is the world series i'm gonna let him champ it out like no, he's trying to avoid a mistake letting him champ it out. Instead, you go to a fresher arm, the fresher arm doesn't have it. But That's aren't those the same
2: things you and I talk about with Aaron Boone and his decisions all the time. We just watch them more closely and they matter similar,
3: more. Similar, but. <laughs>
2: They're closer to your heart. That's why you react. I guess I
3: just, I'll never get over uh, Clark Schmidt being the new Mike King. Like, I think they wanted him to be Michael King and he just never was. Uh, And then even the order, like you go to, you go to Clark Schmidt over Lou Trevino and then you take Cole out of the game and go to Lou Trevino. I'm like, I like, Mm -hmm. I don't even want any more pitchers from the Oakland A's.
2: You know, it's funny too because one of the things that Thompson used as an explanation about bringing in Alvarado was he needed a strikeout there, and he just that was the his, that he thought that was his best opportunity for a strikeout, not a fly ball that was going to bring in a sacrifice you know sacrifice fly. Yeah, one out situation is different than with two outs. So there's just these little things that make you you know if there are two outs in the inning, I wonder if he makes that move. I don't know if that question was asked, but he's you know he needed a strikeout in that spot, so that's a little bit different. The other thing with me, Keith, is you know Kevin Long is a terrific hitting coach, right? Um, I, and I'd like to actually see if we can get him on here at one point. But if you, he's taken four different teams to the World Series. But then once you get there at certain times, different things happen. And this Phillies team got shut down to almost historic levels in a six-game series, minus a home run outburst um, in game three, right? Uh, doesn't take away from how good the hitting coach is. You want to fire the hitting coach now, whatever, but they had won something in the World Series. They struck out a record number of times, and they're losing the World Series. It doesn't mean the coach is bad. And we've done, we've gone through this and you've taken calls like this too. Team doesn't hit, fire the hitting coach, fire the hitting coach. Well, since the Yankees fired this guy, he's been to three World Series, okay? (laughs) I think he kind of knows what he's doing. He has good players, but he also kind of knows what he's doing.
3: It's just looking for a place-to-place blame. The hitting coach doesn't get any at-bats. Sure, they all work with these guys, and I don't know. I never was a big, like, fire all the coaches. That's what the Yankees did, right? You know, yeah. oh, we're bringing back Aaron Boone, but we're going to give them all new coaches. And what did that do? I guess it made the team better during the regular season. They were able to win the division, but they still had some shaky months. And then when they got to the postseason, they were strikeout kings. When they got to the biggest moment of the season, they couldn't come up with the clutch hits. Is that the hitting coach's fault? No. But, you know, people yell fire him. So I don't know. I think it's always just a, a, a round of finger pointing and people being upset and emotions. But I'm, I've am i never been the type to blame a hitting coach. I, I think that all of these guys are professional hitters. They made it to this point. You either have, have it or you don't. And sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the pitching. Sometimes the pitching is better, right? I, when I saw Christian Javier, no hit the Phillies, I'm like, I saw this. I've I, I seen this before. I they He did this to the Yankees. Like, I'm not surprised. You know what the
2: Astros did? They ran it back.
3: That's what yeah. They did. yeah they ran it back and you know what it, last year they didn't have verlander and they came up short this mm-hmm. year they have verlander and they were able to use him twice and the second time around he had it yeah you know i it's just you can't call it that's you know you can't predict baseball that's just how it goes but i think that they're better prepared than most teams i think they pitch better than most teams for sure and they have enough guys in that lineup that can do damage uh, i i the bottom of their lineup does work. It it was not Altuve and Jordan Alvarez carrying yeah. them. Yeah, sure, yeah. Al, mm-hmm. Alvarez came up big when he, when he came up big, yep. but Altuve and Alvarez were not the guys. They're two, you know, guys that you thought were going to be the ones to do it. It was Pena, it was Bregman, but it also was like Chaz McCormick or yep. Kyle Tucker mm-hmm. or, you know, some of these other guys mixed Maldonado, in. Like, Maldonado course. sucks. He's yeah. one of the worst hitters, but he had it for the World Series. Uh, Yuli yeah. Gur- Gurriel, they have yeah. it for, for the big moments. They don't shrink.
2: Duriel's 110 years old, right? It's right, like, but he, he struggled
3: know. in the postseason last year, and he was ready for the postseason this year. He's a World Series champion. Um, those guys are are not going anywhere anytime soon. So
2: you want to bring up Guriel? I want to talk, it makes me think of the barbershop scene in coming to America where he's talking about Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis one hundred and forty five years old. Uh, that makes <laughs> think, uh, I know uh, that
3: good. one. <laughs>
2: uh, oh thanks, that's good. Um, all right, so now's the important stuff, Keith. Aaron Judge is officially a free agent. It's mm-hmm. official. okay, Sunday morning, nine am. Other teams could call him. That's in that window right now. Uh, Other teams cannot sign him yet. That begins Thursday, 5 p.m. It won't happen that fast, but other teams can start talking money, and money will officially be on the table starting Thursday, 5 p.m., when the five day quiet period is up. Um, We saw the Mets make a little preemptive strike with Edwin Diaz. Um, Maybe a little bit different because that player probably decided that, uh, not probably, that player did decide. He wanted that deal to stay here and wasn't interested in what else is out there. Um, Judge clearly is not there yet. So now we wait and see where Aaron judge goes and how this free agency goes. I warned you last week. I'll warn you again. This is going to be a long time. And every day we're going to say, what are the Yankees doing? Guess what? It's not entirely up to them.
3: I've got time. I'm in no rush. Let it play out. Uh, I've, had enough time to think about what the Yankees would look like without Aaron judge. Uh-oh. And I've had time to think about if Aaron judge wants to still be here. You know, that's one thing I was thinking watching the press conference. I'm like, I'm, I wonder what the players are doing. Like, are the players watching this? Are they Ooh. thinking about this? Are they watching this? Any of them together? Are they locked in on this? Like fans are, or they're just not even, you know, beat to watch. They don't even care to watch With
2: How this around. If they were, how do you think they would feel if the, if the manager and the general manager laid them all out like everybody wanted them to? No, they're, they're
3: probably like, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks for not killing me. I had a rough year. I didn't need you guys to pile on. That's part of it.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: With, with Judge, though, they've done enough to express that they want Aaron Judge back. They've yeah. done enough to express that they want him in pinstripes. They want him to finish his career here. Uh, I think it's just going to come down to the other teams. And you get to free agency to see what these other teams are going to offer. He owes it to himself, his family, but he also owes it to the other players in the league that are going to hit free agency one day, uh, that are hitting free agency right now, right? Edwin Diaz owed it to other relief pitchers to go out there and sign a $102 million deal. That's the largest deal for a relief pitcher ever. Yes. Jumping over a Roldis Chapman's $86 million. He's not a Yankee anymore. Good riddance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Steve Cohen... Is someone who we've heard of in the judge sweepstakes well he just came out and put 102 million to edwin diaz they've got some other issues i don't think the mets are really going to be in the judge sweepstakes like their fans think or like people talk about just because uh steve cohen is money bags i think judge is going to take his time he's going to vet out The Giants, I think the Dodgers are going to obviously ask for some conversation or meeting Mm -hmm. because they're going to try and run that price up on their division rivals. Who else uh, could come into play? I don't know. I've I've been putting the Angels out there. I know it's not going to be the Angels. The Red Sox, maybe. I think it's really a three-team race. Texas, Texas, they always have money. I think it's the Yankees, the Giants, the Dodgers, in that order. And the, the Giants have something greater than money. The fact that that's his team he grew up as a kid rooting for he watched Barry Bonds probably dreamed of being Barry Bonds hitting the ball into McCovey Cove but then the Yankees have that captaincy and that cachet of just like ending your career as a Yankee he's already in line Cashman talked about him having Hall of Fame numbers it's like hey judge we're setting it up for you bro uh if you want to be the next in line to have a Paul O'Neill night a Derek Jeter night have a plaque in Monument Park stay here and win a world series and you already broke the home run record. Like you're going to be that guy. Like that is going to be you. You will be immortalized as a New York Yankee. If you, if you sign and stay here, but I don't think, I think this is the last thing I'll say about it. I don't think the Yankees are going to get into a bidding war. I think the Yankees have a ceiling. I think they they know what they want to spend or where they can spend. And I don't think it's the type of thing like Garrett Cole where they had to go out bid the Angels, you know, and, year, and, yeah. and add another year. I think they have they've had they've had a whole season to think about this, right? They put out that that extension offer on opening day. He declined. He went out and earned himself a lot of money. I think there's a ceiling on where they're gonna go. And if the Giants are above that ceiling, they're they're gonna thank him for his time and let him go
2: if that's what he wants to do
3: again if that is what game, he wants to do yes
2: choice okay and yeah money is probably going to be the number one thing here but um you know the yankees will significantly up their offer i think you almost have to look at i scribbled down the number i said you know 300 for eight kind of has to be the bottom right like nobody can probably get into this game if they don't offer him at least eight years 300 million which is right. 37 and a half per year um that feels like the You know, it feels like you can't like, you know, if you're playing poker, like that's that has to be your auntie. Right. You cannot get to the table if you don't bring in that much. But, you know, and you're going to start to hear lots of different things. You know, the Giants are doing this. The Dodgers are doing that. Or he prefers this or a friend of a friend of a friend says this. Like a lot of it's going to happen and it's it's going to be hard to combat any of that until he makes his decision and lets you know i think the yankees are going to have a sweet spot here where they're not going to wait out the entire process but they're going to wait a little bit and say okay aaron here's what we are prepared to do to make you a yankee for life and send you to monument park by the time this contract is up and then it's again it's going to be his decision to make
3: and i think you know it was good to see his wife ran in the New York City Marathon. Yeah. He was out there with Stanton supporting her. Like, they're doing New Yorker-type things. So for anybody out there that's saying um, Samantha Judge wants to go back to Cali, wants to go home, yeah. I think she's pretty Very comfortable poor. here in New York and doing Very things poor. that New Yorkers do. So, yeah. like, let's leave that out of the conversation about happy wife, hap- happy life. He's got to go home to satisfy his wife. I think she, she's living a pretty good life here in New York City. And so right, went to right.
2: the New York City Marathon. Right.
3: They're doing the things that people in New York do. And when he does sign, they're gonna hit another level of New Yorker, uh, the upper echelon, the elite level. And I think the Yankees know how to show that, how to how to like how to tell Judge, hey, you get the key to the city, bro. Like, you already have it, but like you sign this contract, we're gonna celebrate this. Uh, the Jersey sales are already up. Every, every Yankees fan is going to have a nine, nine Jersey. And, uh, you know, that's what we need for, for business. Uh, judge is the face of baseball face of the Yankees and he's great for business. I just don't see the Yankees. I don't see the Yankees going back and forth. Like if it's like they put out a number and the giants counter and they put out a number, I don't think they're going to do all that. I think they have a ceiling and they have other things that they can put out there that can entice judge that aren't just, Uh, you know, dollar amounts, but Mm -hmm. I also don't see the Yankees losing the main part of their business. I just, if Hal is, if Hal is about business and being fiscally responsible, you Mm -hmm. also have to be responsible with your fan base, right? There's one thing to be fiscally responsible with a a luxury tax and, and, you know, salary, but then there's also a responsibility to the people that come through those gates, their judge fans, They love Aaron judge. These kids, the next generation of people that are going to be putting money into your pockets. They're all Aaron judge fans. So,
2: yeah. And that's, and listen, that's part of the business too. Like even, even the Yankees at some point had, had to understand that it was a different situation, but when Derek Jeter was an older player and re-signed here, he wasn't the same player. But there was kind of a, a generational thing there, a legacy thing there that attached to the Yankees, and and you had to uh, understand and appreciate that. That is definitely part of the business too. We t- like there's not anybody they can bring in here uh, off any. It, they can't elevate anybody else. Or bring in somebody from the outside that in the immediate future is going to be the next Aaron Judge for them, for all the reasons that you're talking about. That part's not going to happen. But there are some other names that could possibly come up in free agent talks as the Yankees try to remake themselves for next season and improve themselves for next season. Listen, I don't know what they are yet, but a couple of names that just jumped to my mind off will scale of the free agent. First of all, Benintendi is probably, you know, as a lefty bat and outfielder could be still a useful player to them. That I think that is at least interesting to, uh, to go off of position players. If we are going to believe to come back to what we said in the beginning, that maybe Josh Donaldson is a contract they eat and figure out what to do with, or at least a significant portion of that, if they're going to move them somewhere two days, that are probably aren't as sexy uh, to think about, but, uh, Brandon Drury, Joey Wendell are a couple of names that I, I think, you know, have at least some, hmm, that's interesting factor to them. Um, and, and I understand, like, Keith, I don't know how you're going to be about this, but any move the Yankees make is going to be met with a lot of skepticism and scorn and mockery on social media simply because the Yankees made it. But those are just a couple of names that I kind of threw out there. I said, OK, if you make that change for third base – it's interesting, at least.
3: Yeah, I I mentioned on my show Friday night late because I ended up during a break just looking at the free agent tracker and who's going to be available. And I mentioned a Brandon Drury reunion. Uh, mm. He he's not going to cost that much money. He wasn't making that much money. Yeah, he had a big year, but I'm like at third base, bringing him back. Uh, that might be a full circle thing. He got better when he left. If yeah. he can come back and and you know keep what he's he's learned, maybe that's an option. Um, Josh Donaldson's money, I would love for them to figure out how to eat some of that. There's there's money coming off the books. Um, but yeah, you got to make this team better. Uh, if Judge comes back, it can't just be Judge, and that's it. Sorry, folks, judge costs too much. Right. No, there are other holes, there's other places on this team that could use some improvement. So uh, I expect them to do what they have to do. Um, and I don't expect them to run it back. I know everyone's saying, Oh, they're running it back, it's gonna be the same guys. It can't be. There's going to be some young energy involved, right? You hug your prospects to uh, not let them go elsewhere. Well, this is going to be an interesting spring training for a few of those guys. Some of those guys playing yeah. in the fall league and then obviously the, you know, names that we, we know and guys that we saw from Cabrera to Peraza to, to Volpe. Um, it's going to be an interesting winter. I, I can't call it, but I know the Yankees, If this is what I'll say about the Yankees. They talked about making progress from 2021, which was, one of my least favorite seasons in mm. recent time. But they use that as a marker, right? To kind of flex on what they did this year. Well, we went from being bounced in the wild card right, to winning the division and making it to the ALCS. Well, what yeah. do you do for an encore? That's what I've yeah. been saying on, on air. What do you do for an encore now? Because you got this close again, you can't go backwards. What do you do to make sure that you're in the American League Championship again and you don't get swept? You, you, yeah. need, to, you need to get back to that, American league championship series. We're assuming it's against the Astros, but this time around you need to be better equipped to win.
2: Yeah. I I, like looking at the pitching list, the Carlos Radon's atop the the free agent pitching list. I thought that was a guy that I I think he was kind of in play at the trade deadline, but it didn't end up looking like anything serious ever happened, but he's a guy that I think uh, there was at least some discussion about in July. Uh, And now he's, you know, he's a guy that could be a perfect fit as you try to add to the rotation, even though pitching was not their problem, I do something you're always looking to fortify the pitching, and that's not a bad place to start. Um, you know, the, uh, and yeah, it's also what's really going to be key here, too, is thinking about what is DJ LeMahieu for you, okay? Are you going to, you know, roll second the dice base. third baseman?
3: Start him as second.
2: Are you going to put him in second and move Glaber Torres?
3: Please. I'm over the Glaber experiment. That's something else I've been talking about. Like, Go ahead already, right? I'm tired of seeing Glaber with the puppy dog Glaber face, like hitting his glove, putting his fist in his glove after he makes an error or, you know, a bad throw. Uh, I'm tired of seeing Glaber just struggle at the plate where he'll get hot. I I mentioned this Friday. I'm like, he got hot during the Aaron Judge watch, right? It's like everybody's attention was on Judge. Glaber had a game where he hit two home runs in the same inning, But Glaber was going off when it wasn't about anybody but Judge. Mm -hmm. But then when we get to the postseason, where was postseason Glaber? We've seen it in the past. Younger Glaber had some postseason moments. Where was it this year? He's cooked. He's cooked. And that's okay. Move on from him. You moved on from Gary Sanchez. You moved on from his best friend, Gio Urshela. I think he's next up for this offseason. Uh, And I think his value now is lower than it's been in the past couple years where they did Either you know take calls on him or check on him, but not move him.
2: Well, his his value is down because he costs me. He makes more money now. Like like that's the reality of the business. Everybody is interested when you're in your first couple of years because you have team control and your salary isn't as high. As you start to make more money, you you are a little less desirable to the rest of the field. Because everybody can be interested in Glaber Torres making, you know, one million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody can be interested in Glaber Torres making ten million dollars, and that's the area that you know that's where the demand goes down. And it's not really equal or fair to say, you know, he's well. They wanted him then; they don't want him now. It's the the money is absolutely a big part of the factor there too. Uh, and the Yankees have to a decision to make because you know I think Brian Cashman alluded to this too. Like, you know, the player had some responsibility here and why did he fall off well he didn't come into shape in 2020 after the uh, after the covid shutdown. yeah they did carried they, over they, into 21 and it, it, there was a snowball effect there and maybe he's feeling it a little bit because he's already making some big money and he's a
3: s- star in new york didn't and they he, didn't cashman kind of say that in the press conference saying, yeah i did yeah. I
2: it with with boomer or uh with uh with craig and evan on friday
3: yeah. So if you're already kind of throwing Glaber under the bus a little bit, then go ahead and move on from it, man. I, Rizzo is another one. I, I hope Rizzo yep. comes back. We know he's going to opt out. They picked up Sevy's option. Um, I think Rizzo and we all have seen this is, is pretty good friends with Aaron Judge. And I think their wives are friends as well. So I think for Rizzo, he's opting out. He's probably going to see how much he's worth out there. And I think he put together a solid year where his value is up. But I also think he he can come back if Judge is coming back. I think if Judge is coming back, Rizzo is going to want to be here with with Judge. And I love how Rizzo carries himself as a Yankee. I love how he Mm -hmm. talks in the media. I love how he plays. Like He was fine in the postseason, and uh, we just got to get him healthy, right? We got to make sure his back is good and some of those other things. But I think Rizzo still has it, and and I'd like to see him back at first base. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does cleaning up that infield um, at first base.
2: He's uh, And his leadership is tremendous. I think we saw, you know, listen, guys who World Series rings. I think you saw it with Schwarber and the Phillies. You know, guys who have rings matter. And yeah. the Yankees used to have a, a a room full of those guys. They don't anymore. So Rizzo was absolutely an important factor there. And we'll see how he goes. Maybe just add another year onto the deal, kind of something similar to what CC Sabathia had when he had an opt-out. Um, we'll see how that plays out here as they get going here. But a lot to talk about. So we'll be back, uh, you know, pretty frequently i think we're coming back this thursday and you'll get us uh, at least once a week going through this off season as stories develop here he's keith mcpherson i'm sweeney murty bxb is brought to you by odyssey and by wfan you can find it everywhere you get your podcast make sure you subscribe follow download review all that fun stuff our producer is ryan chichester thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time
4: Something that I think a lot of us can relate to, unfortunately, is just how frustrating dating can be. Not that it has to be that way, but at times, I think the potential frustration that comes from dating is very real, especially when you're swiping on apps and you're looking at these people where you don't even know if they're ready to connect at the level that you really would like to connect at. And that's why I want to talk to you about eHarmony, which really is the dating app to get someone who gets you. And they have a lot of tools to help you find a real connection, because I think that's what we're looking for, a real, genuine, deep connection. So they have a compatibility quiz, and it's designed with questions to learn who you really are as a person in a way that might not come out of a typical dating profile. So a lot of the apps don't take the time to get to know who each and every person is. And then they have a personality profile. So once you take the compatibility quiz, you learn about your unique characteristics, desires, behaviors, interests, and habits, and then those that will match you up with the right person. So it's more than you're going to get out of a random one-line answer that most of the apps provide. And really, eHarmony has helped millions of people find a truly authentic connection because that's what you're looking for, someone who appreciates you for all of you, your quirks, your passions, your vulnerabilities, and more.